Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. That is right here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. How about we spend a, a couple hours right here on the Patrick Lally Show engaged in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news and politics, some crime and punishment, a little baseball, maybe some golf. Uber producer Dan Peters is with us in the studio. Thank God. I'm on the other end of the clock today. The other end of the clock. Dan's back. Oh, thanks. Thanks for spending some time with us today through your radio at Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe you're streamed live from a cube farm somewhere on KSO.com. Got the earbuds in. Or on the KSOO mobile app. Maybe you're just lounging by the pool with the app. That's okay. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live. I got a little better connection today, so that's working. Working. Actually, um, I've I've uh, resorted to using my own personal hotspot over here in the corner of the. Whoa, room. that's your own investment on this thing. Okay. Thankfully, I have unlimited data. Ah. So, but yeah, I've been struggling with the. Uh, maybe we should get the engineers in here, get the guys who turn the screws and such, and uh, figure out what's wrong with the Wi-Fi. This is not. It's not happening. We have some technical issues with the Wi-Fi. I get connected. I get kicked off. I get connected. I get kicked off. So, I, I emergency backup. I went with the personal hotspot, and it seems to be working. All the cylinders. Did Did they ever do that federal man, or let's say the federal suggestion of turning your router on and off, rebooting it because of the, the security threats that they have mentioned, like over the last couple of weeks? We should check that because we might be getting like uh, uh, hacked by the Russians or something. Very possible, or the North Koreans. Or yeah, I mean, there's well, there's any number of people out there who might want to keep me off Facebook, though. That's a kind of a long list, including the Russians and North Koreans. No doubt, but I would imagine that Edward Snowden might be your savior. He, he might, might he might be able to stash that information in a very safe place. You know, this is but this is no propaganda radio here, man. This is no talking point zone on the Patrick Lally show. So. You know, some some people just, they're enemies of truth, Dan. Enemies of truth. And uh, so they might want to shut us down, but we'll keep going. The enemies of truth, they will fall on their own sword because of their efforts. They put themselves in peril because the truth will always win. The truth always wins, Dan. That's exactly it. God. See, people, uh, Dan and I... You know, we, we're not the same person, all right? We, this is not a show where you've got an echo chamber. I mean, I, I, got a, I got a big room, but it's not an echo chamber, all right? And yet we're able to uh, find common ground in the truth because the truth shall set you free. Uh, Dan's been set free from the morning shift. Uh, I was covering... Uh, Chad McKenzie on the, uh, the the Main Street Cafe, that five to eight show that I never listened to because I'm not up that early. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's not true. I do listen. Just not till you know, 730. But uh, so you've had to cover because uh, Chad's out for a bit. Yeah. And Stacy Bauer can only, she can come in a couple of days this week. So I will be on again Thursday and Friday. So Dan's bouncing back and forth between the, the uh, uh, sunrise shift <laughs> and the and the normal person shift and you know that's a tough thing to do 
You're looking a little peaked, my friend. You're looking just a little bit tired. The first part of it is not that I can't go to bed early. I can, mm-hmm. but it seems like there are frequent wake-ups ah. during the night. Yep. It's like, okay, it's midnight. Okay, there's another three and a half hours before the alert. Okay, it's one o'clock. And then, <laughs> then it gets to be three o'clock. I'm like, oh, man, only a half an hour. And then it's like 3.15. Well, for crying out loud. <laughs> See, I would squeeze every last. I, if I woke up at 3.26, I'd say, oh, i got four more minutes. I'm going to sleep at least three and a half of those. I and I normally would, yeah. but I can't. Oh. It's just like oh, the clock says it's close enough. I'm like, I might as well get up. It's the stress. It's the stress of having that hanging over your head. I know. And then I know I slept much better last night. Good. There were less interruptions. Good. But I know that I think I had a little bit of a hangover effect earlier today. Yeah. So yeah. that was that was one where I was like, okay, I know what I have to do, but it's, it's like my mind is not allowing me to do this right yeah, now. No. Uh, Uber producer Dan Peters needs a little nappy time. That's what we need. A little nappy time about 11, right? Oh, that would have been nice. <laughs> well, Dan's here in studio with us today and tomorrow, and then uh, we're flying solo Thursday and Friday, so we'll do our best. We'll do our best. We're glad to have him today because we have a great show for you today. Our guests include Libby Screen of the ACLU of South Dakota. She is here to discuss uh, Mayor Paul Tenhaken's recent creation of a street-level drug enforcement unit in the SFPD. Uh, changing some tactics there. The common man is the weird friend of the day, and he's just back from a big trip up there to Target Field, so we're going to talk about that. Blogger Corey Heidelberger of dakotafreepress.com is in for the first time since the primary, so we're going to look at his prediction, see how he did. And I'll have a P&L statement just after the next break. Today's topic, Trump and food stamps. Trump and food stamps. You're going to want to stick close. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Sixteen on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. We're back with the Bodines today after a short hiatus. If you were with us yesterday, couldn't find the song. The system was gone. It's back today, though. It's all good. It's good. We're fine. Of course, uh, Closer to Free, the anthem of the PL statement. And uh, looking through the news today, a couple things that caught my eye that I just I need to bring up to you good people out there in... Radio land, as the old saying goes. Uh, the first is local, and it is a story that I believe just broke today from a friend of the show, Jonathan Ellis at uh, Argus Leader Media, who we got to get back on here real soon because I want to talk to him about this issue in particular, and that is uh, the lawsuit against the, uh, it was the Department of Agriculture origin- originally over the food stamp information, SNAP, you know, the old, uh, uh, we wanted to know. Back in the days, back in the days, seven years ago, uh, there was a story that we were working on where we just wanted to know where people bought their food in South Dakota, right? Simple enough question. We wanted to, it was a basic story on food deserts in rural South Dakota. How far do people have to go to get decent food? Seems like a simple thing, right? 
turns out not so simple uh, because we wanted to find out where people uh, used food stamps. Seemed like a logical thing, right? Ah, no. Not going to tell you. Not going to do it. And as it turns out, uh, it wasn't so much the Department of Agriculture that was the problem. It was the retailers, the grocers. They have fought tooth and nail over this deal. Just hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees by the grocers associations. Uh, and now this is, it's, but this is a, a local bit of this. So this thing has gone back and forth for seven years uh, in federal court and has been up to the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals a couple times and was finally won by Argus Leader Media to get the information on uh, where our dollars are spent for food stamps. Well, now there is a effort underway to get Congress, our old friends in Congress, who are currently putting together the next farm bill, to insert in there an amendment that would block the release of this information. And I just want to let you know, it is $70 billion a year. $70 billion a year. And these grocers don't want you to know who gets the money. Your money. Your tax money. And it's not even so. So the but the South Dakota Retailers Association. OK, they send out this email. And this is the subject of Mr. Ellis's story that says uh, that the data that would be released include the food purchases made by customers who use the SNAP benefits, according to Ellis. In fact, food sales data is not kept by the federal government. And the Argus Leader lawsuit only includes annual sales figures of SNAP purchases. But here's the email from the South Dakota Retailers Association to their members, all retailers. We are hearing, the email says, from our national groups that South Dakota Senator John Thune may be opposed to the addition of this amendment. That means competitors in the public would know how many SNAP dollars are spent in your store and exactly what your customers are purchasing with their SNAP benefits. Well, that's so far from being true that it's absurd. These people don't know what they're talking about, and yet they're sending an email out to their members, which is a lot of members across this fine state of ours, saying that this is going to happen if Thune doesn't uh, get on board. There's a quote here from uh, John Arneson the finest First Amendment lawyer in the state of South Dakota. He said the Retail Association was conspicuously disseminating misinformation to arouse its membership. Arneson said the Retail Association contention that a confidentiality provision is necessary to prevent the public from knowing exactly what our customers are purchasing with their SNAP benefits is untrue. In fact, the Argus's Freedom of Information lawsuit concerned disclosure of the gross annual amounts stores received from the government under SNAP and beyond that bit of deception, SDRA tries to alarm its members by regurgitating the alleged harms that the government and grocery trades were unable to prove in federal court on summary judgment, at trial, and on appeal. They also send out a form letter that you're supposed to send to Thune's office. 
and uh, you know, it's uh, it's just it's wrong. It's just plain wrong. And an organization like the Retailers Association should know better. They have you know lobbyists. It's just ridiculous. And Senator Thune, do not, do not support this amendment. It's preventing the taxpayers of this country from finding out where their dollars are spent. And that is just plain wrong. Moving on to Trump for a minute. So I had to talk about this uh, North Korea thing just briefly, okay? Uh, because I want to I say this about, about the big summit between Kim, uh, Kim Jong-un and President Trump. So they've signed a bit of a memorandum. And a lot of weird stuff happens. But this is a good thing. There's a long, long way to go. But diplomacy is always better than unrestrained rhetoric and saber rattling, in my mind. I have many reservations about Donald Trump's trade policies, as you know, his ac- economic acumen, as you know, and his ability to not screw up our economy based on his egocentric politics. These things I have said. But if he can move us a step closer to peace in the world or less threat of nuclear annihilation, then he has my support. However, I will note that there are a lot of players involved in this decision beyond Kim Jong-un, specifically China. The reason there's such, still such a thing as North Korea is because of China. The 38th parallel is where the fighting finally stalemated after the Chinese army poured across the Yalu their border with the North because we got too close to China. We went too far. So there are many variables, not the least of which is North Korea's infamous tactic of not doing what they say they will. But Kim Jong-un is not his father, apparently, or his grandfather, apparently. His father, who only ever made one public appearance, and it was short, in his entire 17, 18, 19-year rule, whatever it was, one public appearance the entire time. Well, obviously, Kim Jong-un, is, he's out there all the time. He's smiling, he's shucking and jiving. Hey, hey, hey he's hanging out with uh, Dennis Rodman. Hey, baby, what's happening? So there's something different about Kim Jong-un. He seems to want something different for his country. What that is, you know, we can only guess. It bothers me a little bit when... Our president says this should have happened long ago because it sort of ignores a lot of political realities, geopolitical forces that um, have changed since Ike. And, you know, his, his rhetoric blames every president along the way. Well, that's, that's just not reality. But I'm still willing to give him huge, huge props for doing it and he had a he had a great quote okay and i this was uncharacteristically sort of practical and humble for el presidente he said in the joint news conference on tuesday if i have to say i'm sitting on a stage with chairman kim and that's going to save get us to save 30 million lives maybe more than that i'm willing to sit on the stage i'm willing to travel to singapore very gladly so 
That's good news. I like it. That's all. I like peace. I like the prospects, prospects of peace. I like diplomacy over militarization. So good on you, Mr. President. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me. That's fine. Send me an email, Patrick at KSO.com. Twitter at P. Lally Show. Coming up just after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to talk to the common man, fresh back from Target Field up in beautiful downtown Minneapolis. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Three thirty-four on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and it's three thirty-ish, which means weird friends time. And uh, we had to flip the Boon Man and the Common Man because the Common Man was out hanging out with his lovely bride, and we welcome him back to the land of South Dakota, Mister Common. How are you feeling today, Patrick? Great to be with you. Yes, celebrating twenty-five years of. What a bliss yesterday. Wonderful thing. That's, that's amazing. You, you sir, uh, are to be held up as a, a bright, shining star of marital bliss. That is true. I, you know, I look back and I, look, I see the picture and, and the hair I had. Mm-hmm. Don't have any, you know. It's, it, I remember it like it was three weeks ago, and yet that's 25 years have passed. You know, twenty-five laps around the sun, and it's and it's it's amazing. Uh, you know, it's amazing how smart that woman's gotten over twenty-five years <laughs> under speak, my tutelage. Speaking <laughs> speaking of which, how how is Mrs. Common? I, you know, is she is she celebrating this to the degree that you are? I mean, well, clearly you have to be grateful, but does she share in this glorious sentiment that you are expressing today? I I think she's starting to, to become comfortable with her fate. <laughs> Perhaps has just given up. I don't know. Yeah, it, but there's, there seems to be a resignation to her that there's just like, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, he ain't that bad. He's still yeah. he's still employed. Yeah, kind of, um, <laughs> he doesn't have a lawnmower, but he's employed. <laughs> no lawnmower yet. That's still out to lunch, but you know, but that's 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 um, we're getting so there. What have you, please, Mister Common, uh, impart upon us some thoughts some nuggets of wisdom from life uh 25 years of life with mrs common one thing that, that i've learned and this is a very important thing mm-hmm. and i'm gonna i'm gonna tease this in a provocative way i mean there's, there's one thing that you need to be able to do with your wife for your entire lifetime mm-hmm. and you got to be able to do it with that one woman for the rest of your life, yes. and that thing is fight. <laughs> <laughs> it's the yeah. truth. You have to be able to disagree because uh, yeah. anytime you're going to spend that much time with any particular individual, you're going to disagree. You're going to argue. You're going to bicker. You're going to. But the, the key to it is to be able to fight reasonably. You know, <laughs> mostly rationally. Mm-hmm. You know, and still respect them and realize that even though you're not getting along mm-hmm. right at that very moment you you, know, you still respect them and love them at the end of the day but that you know they're just they're just wrong are you are you a never go to bed angry guy uh no <laughs> <laughs> no okay good that's, that's happened plenty of times 
you know, but the, but the, I think the biggest thing is if you wake up angry. Because yeah. many times I've gone to, you know, shut my eyes and been completely frustrated and then woke up and gone, eh, not a, not a big deal. Now, here's the thing. As I look at that particular point, not to belabor it, I see, uh, uh, knowing Mrs. Common as I do, mm-hmm. uh, I think I would see she has no trouble with the fighting part. No, she loves it. Yeah, and, and I, I, I don't. I, yeah, I'm, not, that's I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not. I just don't. No, not that big on that, and which frustrates the tar out of her because yeah. she likes to, you know, so get, you know, get into a good spat every mm-hmm. now and then. But I just like, you know, it seems like you're kind of upset. Maybe we should talk about this later. Ah! <laughs> Pretty good strategy, I might add. That might. Oh, uh, I can, I can imagine. That. I can see that where where she's at. Johnny. <laughs> And and you're just kind of over there. I'm watching the twins. Yeah, you know, you seem like you're a little exercised right now. Maybe we should, you know, let's talk about this in like 30 minutes or something. Oh, yeah, that's a great button to push. That's a great button to push. Uh, some friends of mine and I have gone with, uh, in terms of uh, relationships, we've fall, fallen back on just the, uh, you're so pretty. <laughs> God, I don't. I don't know what you said, but gosh, you're cute. And, and you get that little flush. Yeah, that's cute. Uh, that's, um, I might have limited. No, it just, it's a deflective motion. It's not really any sort of solution. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing that, that you can run into is, and this is probably more of a, I think most of us have probably dealt with it, is temperature is always going to be an issue. Yeah. In your home, in your car, in a hotel, while asleep. You will fight about this, and you will lose. Mm-hmm. So you get used to that, and you're never going to be right with temperature. Driving skill is interpretive. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you do something one way does not make it the right way. In fact, it probably makes it the wrong way. <laughs> so that's just, you know... Just get used to that fact that you're not... Mm. You, know, you know, you can go, you know, go to this street, take this. I know that. I okay. don't want to do that. I don't want, <laughs> if I wanted to do that, I would have done that, wouldn't I? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, very good. The other thing, realize that they can badmouth their family. Oh yeah. Without on mm-hmm. endlessly for days mm-hmm. and then, don't ever begin to think you can open your mouth. No. Don't don't say no. word one. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, mm, wow. Boy, I, that does. I think maybe that's something that you probably feel very deeply, and I appreciate, but I really have no comment on. <laughs> I understand. I understand your passion, and um, yes, um, good. Uh, how about them cups? <laughs> Can I? Make, is it? Is there any way I could make you breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> and one, I think the, her mother, of course, is a saint. Yep. But at no time, under any circumstances, should any comparative observation be made about her. No. You know, God, when you say that, you sound just like your mom. That's, a, that's, that's not, never not good. a good. No. That's a, not a path to follow. No. The other thing, but the, the corollary to that, or the obverse of that, is uh, uh, your their mother never did anything for them. You know what I mean? They were they were completely wrong in everything they every decision <laughs> they made as they were growing up, and now they're a saint. You know no, what I mean? It's it's the other side of it. It depends on how far you go back. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go back to the you know the young rebellious days and mm. you can be there but then most of it you were probably there you're probably the cause <laughs> of, any of those behavioral issues 
But that, and, then, and of course, then there's the, the one about that you have to remember that when you get married, mm-hmm. you, you are marrying the woman who's in front of you at mm-hmm. the time, mm-hmm. and she is marrying a project. <laughs> you are a lump of clay. You are, uh, uh, you are the stumbling little uh, horse, you know, the, the thoroughbred horse you know, gamboling through the pasture. She doesn't, she's not marrying you for you then, because you have so very little to offer. Right. As a young man, you're just adult, basically. But she's going, God, you know, he, he's got some possibilities. You're the ultimate fixer-upper. <laughs> so as long as you remember that and you keep striving to be a better person, a lot of times I find that they give you the benefit of the doubt. Well, and on as you said, you marry the person in front of you, so you really have, I mean, it's, it's not going to get much better. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm going to pay for that one. Right? <laughs> uh, please send. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick at KSOO.com. And your condolences. Yeah, yeah my condolences. Right. Yeah. And, and let's try to remember who said that. Yep. <laughs> uh, those are all fine. Those are good observations, Common Man. I, yes. I think though we should probably re- recapitulate those in written form, laminate it, and hand it out. Well, I've often thought about it. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's so many, so many people. You know, if I would have listened to my elders mm-hmm. about the time, you know, it's, it's it, I would have avoided a lot of headaches and instances at those nights where I did go to sleep angry and had to wake up mm-hmm. calm. <laughs> hey, uh, common man, I want to talk because you on your big anniversary celebration uh, got to go watch the twins, which I don't know how you swung that, but. Uh, we will uh, come back, and I want to hear about your trip. I know everybody does. So, Oh, absolutely. Just ready to spill. Yeah, we'll be right back with the, more of the common man right after this. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three forty-six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and we return to our conversation with the common man on an extended dance play version of <laughs> My Weird Friends. Uh, common man, uh, we talked about it that your twenty-fifth anniversary yesterday was the date, but you went on kind of a whirlwind anniversary tour uh, up to the cities. How'd that we- go? We did. We we took our we took our our kids and went up and, and saw the, the uh, twins game. Whoa, 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 whoa! You took your kids? Well, you know they're kind of part of the package. Well, but they're adults. <laughs> I know, but they wanted to go. You know, they wanted to go with. You know, so. <laughs> okay. And so yeah, so we took them to that. Uh, and this is you know probably the kicker for me in this whole marriage thing was then one night they said, "Hey, where where should we go on our honeymoon?" When I was mm-hmm. and my wife said, "Let's go to Wrigley Field and see the Cubs." What? I said, "God, I got to throw a rope around that woman." <laughs> That one's a keeper. That's pretty And so good. every anniversary ever since then, we've gone to a baseball game. So oh. we're always at a baseball game, one That's way or another. That's impressive. Other. That's impressive. So my only question about bringing the kids is, mm-hmm. since they're adults, they're working adults, mm-hmm. did they uh, pick up the tab at all? Oh, anyway? of course not. <laughs> no. Let's, let's, you know, nothing says I love you like, here you go, Dad. Here's a, I, I've got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, but let's not spread that big, you know, two gingers love around there, old fella. <laughs> but but yeah, was, we did. It was it was great. And Target Field is is an amazing place, you know. And it's it love the, the atmosphere, and you know it's 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 great. 
not just, you know, because it's not a hot dog anymore, you know, because, like, Humphrey Bogart was the famous one for saying, you know, a hot dog at the ball game is better than a steak at the Ritz. <laughs> so when you go there, you're kind of, I'm, I'm impressed by, by the fare of, of cool things that there are to, to eat and drink yeah. at the ball game anymore. Of course, you're going to pay for it. A little bit? A little bit. I don't mind the paying. I, there's, there is so much. Some of it is completely over the top. Oh, well, yes. And, for example, uh, the Ken Herbeck Bloody Mary, <laughs> which is, it, it's, you know, anytime you get a three-skewer Bloody Mary, <laughs> you're talking about a Bloody No, it's $23. $23. Really? But you, but you get a Bloody Mary, and, and depending on the day, you'll either have a pizza or a bacon cheeseburger slider, a breakfast sausage, uh, three chunks of, of other sausage, a pickle, an olive, and then a hot pepper, all in it. So I mean, now it's twenty three bucks. Well, that's but a lot of food. A, you have a cheeseburger, a slice of pizza, and a breakfast sauce sandwich. I like a sausage. Yeah, that's a that is kind of the uh, embodiment of Ken Herbeck, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, a guy who, who, who retired when he was thirty three years old because he'd just gotten too darn fat to play baseball. <laughs> And it hasn't gotten any better since. He goes, you know what? I, I like this sports thing, but I'm going to switch to ice fishing. And uh, carrier commercials. Yep. And, you know, God spit beer. Him. And it just keeps, you know, it just, why not? No, like, he's one of those guys that's going to go down as, you know, one of the greatest legends of Minnesota sports. I mean, because they won, they were good. And just because he was such a bubba. Oh, I just, yeah. And a man of the people, Bloomington Kennedy High School, you know, he grew up in the shadow of the lights of Old Met Stadium, you know, that's all the old stories. Speaking of another Twins legend, who also has a pretty good food product up there, is Tony Oliva, who's got the Cuban sandwich there. That's oh, just, yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff, baby. And, you know, if we're, and that's only, it's more reasonably pricey. It's about 8 $9, and that's, yeah. that's pretty darn good if you're into that sort of thing. I expect that at the ballpark. But my favorite, and I will mispronounce it, is the uh, I find it I search for it. It's the Kramarzik's uh, Ukrainian sausage. <laughs> what? Oh God! I have not had that. This is oh. new to me. So it's a big stand when you when you walk up and it's and, you, and there's the people are back there doing it and when you walk up they've got uh, like 18 pounds of onions grilling on top of the on the grill and they've got the big and the sausage with they've got brats they've got Polish and something else. And so I would, when I walk up there, and the, the gentleman looks me in the eye, and I say, Polish. <laughs> and he politely looks at me, and he says, would you like uh, grilled onions and sauerkraut? <laughs> and I said, yes. <laughs> and he takes out what looks to be a, a forklift and <laughs> puts this thing on his bun and put about two pounds of sauerkraut and, and uh, grilled uh, onions on top yeah. of it. And I am completely socially unacceptable. I'm a leper for the way I smell for about three days after that. <laughs> you know what else? I can't, dude, I can't eat that anymore. I, you know what I mean? If I ate that by the sixth inning, I'd be like sitting in my chair, just kind of bent over in abdominal pain. Well, that's, that's where the alcohol comes in. <laughs> you <laughs> have to kill these things <laughs> properly. You know, all the stomach lining has to be neutralized before <laughs> So that's where the two gingers with the lemon lime, uh, oh, the Irish whiskey. Yes. Oh, delightful on a hot, sunny day. Okay, now going back to bringing the kids with you. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, 
you didn't have to drive at all, did you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Come on, man. You at least could have had a chauffeur. No, no. Oh. Nope. Yeah, yeah, so that's, uh, that's you when, know. What game did you see? When were you there? I saw the Sunday game, 7-5 victory. Oh, yeah, against the hated California Angels. Yeah, it was fun. You know, we got to see and Mike Trout took an 0 for 5, and the kid they brought up from AAA, Jake Cave, for the Twins, you know, they brought him up, and he mm-hmm. hit, what, 3 for 4 with, with the home run that he hit halfway to Yosemite. <laughs> God, it was it was fun. It was It was a great day. Uh, did you get to see, uh, oh man, what's the dude? He's the next Babe Ruth. What's his name? Well, he's out, Otani. Oh, he's out? What yes. That? He's, he's Tommy John. Second degree sprain of his ulnar collateral ligament or something. So one of them ligaments in his elbow. Bye-bye. Yeah. That well, was fun while it lasted, right? Well, yeah. We'll see you in 2020 if he has Tommy John. That's crazy. Well, you know, the thing about him, though, is he may not... He he's, has the capability to come back as a position player, not necessarily right away as a pitcher. So he may not be out as long, right? He could well, DH. I would imagine with that, with the amount of money they have invested in him, that they'll wait until he's ready to come back, period. And he may not. Oh, God. I mean, I would if I was the Angels, I'd say, well, we can always sign pitchers. <laughs> when did this happen? Was I out of the country? It was like a couple of weeks. Ago. It was the start he had before he would have been scheduled to start in Minnesota. Oh, so, wow. of course, but that's, you know... He's going to be in Minnesota. Oh no, he's not. Well, still they got uh, they still have Albert, right? Oh, Albert's looking a little little creaky. <laughs> looking a little more like Kent Urbeck. <laughs> well, he, yeah, he had a, 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 a two run base yes. hit that. I mean, it looked like someone had shot it. It was <laughs> yeah, got jammed and it went over. It's like oh, and then watching him run, not oh. good. It's, it's, yeah, it's Patrick, I mean, me and Tom Mork look like Usain Bolt. <laughs> that joke is so inside and still funny. Tommy, <laughs> I mean, we love you. Yeah, but you're really I hope he's listening. <laughs> uh, uh, common man, thank you for the update from uh, Target Field and from the entire Patrick Lally Show listening audience. Uh, condolences to your bride and mm-hmm. uh, best to you and, and congratulations on making it 25 years. I benefit from her poor judgment. (laughs) And we'll talk to you next week. (laughs) Thanks, Patrick. Coming up in a minute, after the news and weather, we will chat with Corey Heidelberger of DakotaFreePress.com. And we will get an update on state politics and also look at how Mr. Heidelberger fared with his primary predictions. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Coming up on Friday, as every Friday all summer, Fridays on the Plaza, eleven thirty a.m. to two p.m. in the Plaza outside the KSFY studio at three twenty-five South First Avenue. Our friends down there at KSFY have a good old time on Fridays at noon. Live music, food, all kinds of good stuffs, stuffs, stuff, lemonade and kebabs. More information and more events, go to KSO.com. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, it's blogger Corey Heidelberger, and then Libby Screen from the ACLU. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.
406 on the Patrick Lally Show, information 1000 KSOO. And on Tuesdays about 4 o'clock, we like to talk to Corey Heidelberger from Aberdeen, who operates the dakotafreepress.com blog, and we like to talk about state politics. And Corey, what a primary it was. Yes, it was. It seems so long ago, though. An entire week has gone by. Yes, and so you were here uh, on Monday last and uh, doing your predictions for mm-hmm. the big primary between in the Goober race and the House race. And uh, uh, how, how, let's, let's, how'd you do? Hey, I'm all about accountability, and I'm glad you started with that. <laughs> um, there, were, there were three big things I tried to predict last week on Monday that you wrung out of me. One was, of course, the governor's race. One was the U.S. Uh, Congress House race. Uh, the Republican side. Mm -hmm. And then I did try to predict within that GOP turnout. Yes. Turns out I was two for three. Ah. I was, I was wrong, flat wrong on the governor's race. (laughs) That's right. You picked Jackley. I, I, well, I picked Jackley by a nose. I originally, I thought Jackley was going to win it, you know, back in January and even in April, I thought Jackley had it by like 58 to 42. But as the campaign got going and we saw Christy Nome throw the punches and Marty not throw as good a punches, I could sit, last week I said it was going to be really close, mm-hmm. and it turned out it wasn't really close. Christy won 56% to 44%. Yeah. So I was wrong on that one. And in your defense on that one, everybody was wrong on one point, which was it wasn't close. Yeah, I mean, to the extent that saying, well, everybody else was wrong, so that's not bad for me either. I'll say that, because I think a number of people thought it would be closer. Although I will admit, I had one I told you so from a friend of mine who back in March was trying to feed me a line of bullet. He was like, you know, I've seen some internal polling, and it shows Christy ahead by 11 points. And I'm like, baloney, that's just wishful thinking. Mm-hmm. And she won by 12 points, so that's he gets to rub funny. my nose in that one. But don't we believe, so uh, there was the Kello Argus leader poll, and we talked a little bit about that, and they had it pretty close. But that was taken, I think, May 21 through 23. Yep. The, it, it may have been you know, reasonably uh, correct at that time, but that was before the, the, the real body blows started coming for Marty. Yeah, and, that's, and I think that's a really interesting thing for you know, campaigners and political scientists. To think about mm-hmm. if if we take everything as as is, if we assume that the Kello poll was reasonably accurate, and there's debate nowadays about whether polls are getting it right or not, what they're catching, what they're missing. Um, either that poll was correct, and those last two weeks of ads and campaigning really made a difference, or that poll was incorrect. The voters didn't switch that much in the last two weeks, and we need to go back and figure out well, what about that poll methodology missed? this 12-point win that was in the works. Yeah. So either way, something really interesting happened in the last couple of weeks there. We just don't know what, and that's, you know, that's for further study. You know what would be fascinating would be to get all the polling. Like if you could just get uh, everybody's, even it with, you know, take all the, take all the uh, who paid for it and all that off of it, whatever mm-hmm. campaign, and get, you know, eight or ten of them together and see what correlations there were at different times. That would be fascinating to see and what poll might have been ten, wrong. If we had eight or ten, that'd be great. But I think all we saw was, um, I think there were two polls released prior to the Kello polls, and they were both sort of, 
internal paid for Republican mm-hmm. consultant guys, you know, the kind of poll you can't look at and say, yeah, these are guys who did, you know, hard science. Mm-hmm. Those are guys who did something to make their, their funders happy. So, yeah. but there were really, there were three polls I know of. And Marty Jackley suggested there was a fourth one that he knew about, maybe his internals, but never released it. So that's kind of the thing with our elections. We just don't have enough polling on them to get an idea what's going on beforehand. Yeah. We have to show up and vote. Imagine that. Aww. That's how it goes. So we were a little off on that one. Uh, House, pretty much dead on, right? I, I, was, I was close enough. On House, I said Dusty 45, Chantel 30, Neil Tapio 25, and it turned out Dusty won with 47, Chantel 29, and Tapio 24. So, you know, give me a couple percentage points either way. I gave, I gave Chantel and Tapio each one too much. And I gave Dusty two too little. That was yeah. the switch that happened. So House worked out the way I thought. But that's and a win. That's that, a win for you. Yep. That, we can, we'll call that a win. I'll take it. You bet. So, you know, <laughs> to the extent the Swami gets points, there you go. <laughs> and then I was right about turnout because I was trying to look at trends and contests from the past several years to figure out, well, how many Republicans are actually going to show up? And those predictions I gave you last week, I based them on my assumption that 40% of Republicans would turn out. And lo and behold, Republican turnout in the governor's race was 40.18%. In the House race, uh, turnout was 41.00%. So a few more Republicans voted in the House race than did in the governor's race, but they were both, bang, right there within a percentage point of what I thought they would be. Now, and we may have to come back and talk about this, but... In the Sioux Falls Metro, it was much lower than that, though, wasn't it? Yes. Um, Sioux Falls was remarkably low. And keep in mind, you know, I'm not talking about turnout among all voters, because obviously Democrats and independents, they didn't have much of anything to turn out for. Mm -hmm. I'm talking just turnout among Republicans. Mm -hmm. Statewide, the average for Republicans was, you know, 40 percent, a little better. In Minnehaha County, only 32 percent of your Republicans turned out to vote. That's interesting. That's very, very interesting. Well, and that was even with, you know, Sioux Falls and the metro area, there were a lot of legislative primaries going on. You had Deb Soholt, you had District 13 going mm-hmm. on, um, District 9 in Hartford, there was one going on. There were a lot of primaries happening that could have brought Republicans out along with, you know, the top ticket races. That's very interesting. It's The disparity is stark. And uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about what that means for everybody else going forward when we come back after this short break. Uh, We'll be chatting more with Corey Heidelberger from the Dakota Free Press blog just after this message. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 418 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we rejoin our conversation with Corey Heidelberger, he of the Dakota Free Press dot com blog that emanates from the hub city up there in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Corey, uh, we were talking about Sioux Falls there, and uh, I just want to touch back on that for just a moment. Um, So turnout in Sioux Falls amongst Republicans was 32%-ish, 31, and it was 40 statewide. Does that mean the people in Sioux Falls don't care about politics? Well, there are a number of conclusions one could reach. Uh, What I look at that, what I get from that number is that apparently Republican voters in Sioux Falls, you were talking about people who are already registered, Mm -hmm. they've already bothered to register Republicans, so they care about politics to some extent, Mm -hmm. but apparently 
a lower percentage of them, they were less fired up or there were a lower percentage of them who were fired up about the candidates offered than there were statewide. And it wasn't just in Minnehaha County. I looked and there were there are seven counties in that kind of lower I-29 corridor. It was mm-hmm. Union, Lincoln, Clay, Moody, Brookings, and Lake County, too, just like Minnehaha had lower than state average turnout, notably so. I think Union County was all the way down to only like 24, 25% turnout among Republicans. That's very interesting because that is, that's a big bulk of population too. Yeah, well, and that's that's what I was thinking. You've got seven counties there, right? You know, kind of hubbed around Sioux Falls where Republicans weren't as fired up about their top ticket candidates as they were in the rest of the state. So, you know, obviously if I'm a Democrat, and I am, and I'm looking to campaign for statewide candidates, and I'll certainly help. Already, you know, like, and you've said this before about Billy Sutton, he needs to get to Sioux Falls because that's where all the votes are. And that makes sense. Sioux Falls has a large portion of the voters. But when those counties, those seven I just listed from Brookings on down to Union and Clay, when they've got 37% of South Dakota's voters, and the Republicans there right now appear to be less enthusiastic about their candidates mm-hmm. than Republicans elsewhere, that's all the more reason to spend an extra day or two in the big city and the mm-hmm. counties nearby and be campaigning hard. Because if Republicans aren't enthusiastic, others may be more enthusiastic and you have a better chance of improving your margins if you're a Democrat in those areas where Republicans aren't as excited. That's a very interesting uh, point. Um, I, I want to, we're with uh, Corey Heidelberger here from Dakota Free Press blog, the decidedly left-handed blog so we'll get that out there we always have to have the disclaimer in there Corey. um no problem i know you 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 embrace it willingly um that's right i think disclaimer is the wrong term it's a proclaimer yeah, i proclaim that's right. my leftiness there you go uh let's talk uh, you had this post uh not so long ago last couple of days on uh like seven reasons that trumpism failed in the south dakota primary and yes. I'm, I'm curious seven's a lot of points where, why do you think that that's true? I'll, I'll burn through them for you. Let's see what I think. And, and with, the, with the disclaimer this time that mm-hmm. I recognize, every one of these has a flip side. They're all arguable. This isn't gospel. This mm-hmm. is just observations one could look at. If you need to be optimistic and say maybe Trumpism isn't as strong when Trump isn't on the ballot. Mm-hmm. Number one sign of that is Neil Tapio lost. Mm-hmm. He was the guy who, you know, he was Trump's campaign director, supposedly, in South Dakota. He said, I'm Trump, blah, 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 lost, third place in the House race. Second sign, though, is Chantel Krebs lost, too. She was playing Trump almost. She was trying to out-Trump Tapio. She thought she tacked that way, and she only won two counties. Neil Tapio won two counties. Chantel Krebs won two counties. Dusty swept it from them. So those two are signs that Trumpism, without Trump in town, just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Third one, Ed Randazzo. This is a guy, he he runs the Family Heritage Alliance, this arch-conservative group out in Rapid City. He ran for a legislative seat, and he was beat by a, a moderate scientific Republican engineer lady and by a dead man. <laughs> oh, that's right. The guy who, the incumbent in that race, uh, passed away. Passed away at the end of April, too late to be taken off the ballot, so his name was still there. And Ed Randazzo, who's a big Trumpist, still lost to him. So yeah. there's sign number three that Trumpism doesn't like work way down ticket. Fourth one, big one. Dennis Dugard's and Dorsey's won. Yeah, that is big. He gave a thousand bucks to Dusty Johnson and endorsed him all along. Dusty won. Uh, he gave a thousand bucks also to each of ten 
legislative Republicans who faced primaries. He actually jumped in the primary and said, nah, pick this Republican, not that one, and generally was backing more moderate people, with some exceptions. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Dugard himself is a moderate. So when you get his endorsement, that's a big sign that says, I'm not a Trumpist, I'm more just kind of a moderate mainstream Republican. Well, and, and Dugard's, and a, Dugard's, a, yeah, Dugard's a target of all the uh, hard righties out there who think he's a liberal. So in those, in those primaries... He picked the right horse. You bet. And, and, and in the past, that didn't happen. In, in 2012 and 2016, he endorsed and like was pretty much 50-50 on win-loss record, and arch-conservatives would beat his people. Um, this time, what was, oh, 10 of his picks, sorry, he gave money to at least 11 Republicans. There was only one of those incumbents or one of those endorsees who lost. Mm -hmm. So Dugard, moderation, worked better this time. Fifth one, incumbents won. Every legislative incumbent on the primary ballot went to the general election. Only a third of non-incumbents survived the primary. That's that's a amazing number, isn't it? All in yeah. a, in a primary where there's a there's the alleged discord, and there is plenty of discord, mm -hmm. but the degree to which it is rampant in the mainstream Republican Party would suggest that those results would suggest that's not true. Right. If Trumpism is about cleaning draining the swamp. Nobody thinks that any of their incumbents need to be drained, at least not from the primary choices. They didn't show that tendency there. Every incumbent on the primary ballot won. Number six. Number six. This is local. Up here in Aberdeen, we had three kind of arch-right Republican activists who kind of, you know, snuggle up this, to Trumpism, ran for sheriff and ran for city council seats. And they all three lost. Dan Kaiser lost the sheriff's race to the incumbent sheriff. Char Cornelius, Republican Party chair here, she lost her uh, city council race to an incumbent Democrat on Whoa. the city council. That's and then another guy, new guy, Dan Richard, he lost his race to an incumbent who was also a Republican, but was more of a moderate chamber of commerce guy. So there are three local Republicans in Aberdeen, for Pete's sake, where we've yeah. got all the Neil Tapio anti-Muslim rallies still didn't make any progress against kind of your mainstream uh, powers that be incumbents. And number seven. The last one, I threw this in. Rapid City voters approved their new arena. Yeah, I was shocked. I thought, well, and it was a big deal because, you know, three years ago when they disapproved it, that was kind of led by your kind of cranky conservatives out there who were against everything, and they, they swamped it and killed it. This time they got bigger turnout in that vote, mm -hmm. but it went it flipped the result and went huge for yes, which just that didn't feel like a Trumpy vote to me. That felt like a yeah, just business as usual. Government needs to invest, here we go. And that doesn't sound very Trumpy to me. So there you go. If you need optimism to think Trumpism isn't winning in South Dakota, there are my reasons you can look at last week's primary and say, Hey, we're smarter than we thought. And you can go read all about it at dakotafreepress.com, and you can get in there and comments and argue with everybody else who's in there, right? You betcha. Glad, I'm glad to have alternate opinions. I could be wrong. Corey Heidelberger, a regular appearance here most Tuesdays on the Patrick Lally Show. We thank you, sir. Thank you, Patrick. Have a great week. Coming up after the break here, news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we've got Libby Screen, Libby Screen from the ACLU of South Dakota. We'll be chatting about drug enforcement in the city of Sioux Falls. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. But you don't see them, do you there? 320, uh, what an, I'm sorry, 3, 4. I'm in the wrong hour. 
Am I on the right day? It's Tuesday. It's 4.33 on a Tuesday afternoon here on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. There. You have properly made the reset. Wow, that was bad. I, I was listening to Rihanna Del Cid, and I got all flustered. Now, there you go. Well, I'm very happy to have you in studio. Back in studio after a short break on a different topic. Libby Screen, who is the uh, with the ACLU of South Dakota, you are like the uh, government affairs, you're the lobbyist, you do all the hard work while the rest of the staff sits here in Sioux Falls and just cuddles up into a, uh, around a warm fire, right? Yes, that is exactly right. I am the policy director at the ACLU of South Dakota and the hardest worker on the team. Yeah, we already knew that. <laughs> and uh, so this that's because Heather Smith, who's the director, she's not here today. So Yeah, yeah. so we can talk about her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure she's not listening. Um, but we wanted to have uh, Libby back because uh, since you were here last, uh, the mayor, Paul Tenhaken, has announced he has created this kind of street-level drug enforcement unit um, made up it's two officers but with the with the goal here of of working up the ladder of drug users that that's essentially the way you understand it as well right yeah yeah based on um, the reporting that has gone on around the topic it seems that they are announcing this initiative with these officers focusing on narcotics and um, low-level offenses low-level users so we 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 know that we've been talking about uh, drug use as a real problem in South Dakota writ large uh, because largely our crime rate our violent crime rate certainly has not really gone up and everybody's worried about crime but drug use drug crimes certainly have and the nation as a whole has a sort of general substance abuse issue Uh, what's wrong with hiring a few police officers or moving a couple of cops over to pursue the people or find out what's going out around and 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 like sweep up drug users and and figure out what's going on yeah so i think this new plan um you know we have no intention of criticizing the mayor or the police department but i think that what we need to see is a more holistic solution you know we would agree that drug use is a problem but drug use has been a problem in this country for decades and decades and if we could arrest and incarcerate our way out of addiction I think we would have already solved this problem back in the 1970s. So what we would love to see is really take this moment, take this opportunity, and advance a new approach to dealing with drug use and drug crime in South Dakota, Um, recognizing the addiction piece and working towards prevention and treatment of people and not just relying on enforcement and prisons um, to to solve our drug problem. So uh, how does this fit? How... Why is the ACLU interested in this issue? Where's where's the intersection of civil liberty and and you know drug addiction addiction? Absolutely. Um you know, one of our major priority issues as the ACLU of South Dakota is criminal justice and criminal justice reform. We really are at, in our society are at something of a breaking point, right? Nationally, we've got 2.2 million people in American jails and prisons. Um, there was a report that came out this week indicating that South Dakota is one of the highest incarcerating states per capita. We are at a point where we are locking up more of our citizens than we ever have before, and it's not solving our problems. So our approach is that if we take a step back and we look at all of the things, the complicated things that lead to crime, and we find a better way forward that we're going to be doing better for society. We're not going to be incarcerating people and stripping them of their rights. And we can kind of prevent that problem before we even get there. 
We're talking with Libby Screen. She is the policy director with the ACLU of South Dakota and uh, discussing um, enforcement, drug enforcement. Um, the When I talk to, uh, say, Sheriff Mike Milstead or, uh, you know, before him, uh, before Chief Burns was in place, uh, 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 we, we talked a lot about drug use. And uh, Milstead in particular was saying he was deeply concerned with what he was seeing he to the point of being a little scared of it how should we approach this then if we if we want to move towards more prevention and treatment but we've got people out there using drugs that we are afraid of right we're afraid of these people so what do we do i think you have to be able to delineate between people who are drug users and people who are high level people who are bringing in drugs and distributing them and dealing them. I think that we make a mistake and do ourselves a disservice when we label everyone who is addicted to drugs as a criminal or someone we should be afraid of. I don't think that we that those two things, the idea of keeping communities safe and combating addiction in a smart way, I don't think that those two things are opposed. I think there are ways we can work together and recognize all of that to create systems um, that more appropriately deal with the underlying causes and that can actually stand a chance to get people off of drugs. What are those ways? So there are a lot of programs in cities that have sort of undertaken a new approach across the country. Um, Some of them have invested in what's called LEAD or Law Enforcement Assisted Diversion, and that's using police officers, giving police officers more latitude and discretion in the field to identify people who aren't a safety threat, aren't dangerous, but are just struggling with addiction and to get them help before they ever end up in a courtroom. Um, You know, for people who are in the criminal justice system already, we've seen some wonderful things happening with drug courts in South Dakota. And I think having a government that really recognizes the value of that and is willing to invest in that will also pay dividends and it will see lower recidivism rates in the future. Because we know people that do uh, complete drug court programs do have lower recidivism rates. We have have embraced drug court in this state. But it is not statewide yet, is it? Isn't it still in select counties? Yes, yes. And I think it's more difficult, you know, in a rural county where there may be less resources. And that that is an issue that if, even if we have a drug court here in Minnehaha County, we have to look to how our neighbors are coping with things. And the state has to take on that project writ large. Do you, do you know how many counties it is? Do you remember? Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. I think it might be less than five. Yeah, it may be just Minnehaha and Pennington and Hughes or something like that. Yeah. Um, but that leaves, even in the metro, there's a lot of people out there who are maybe in court in a different county. Or, you know, Minnehaha and Lincoln are one circuit, right? I believe so. So that encompasses a lot of folks. So you're a fan of drug courts. Yes, yes, I am a fan. From I don't a civil think... libertarian point of view. I do think so, yeah. Because when, when you are about to enter a drug court program, you have a choice. I I don't believe anyone is forced into drug court. Um, So if you don't want to comply with those terms, then you don't have to, right? Or you you go to jail. Yeah, then then you go to jail. (laughs) That's your option, and and you have the ability to decide. The notion, too, of jail. Okay, and the other thing that uh, that I recall talking with Sheriff Milstead about on a few occasions is the fact that so many of the people who are in the county jail, which we have to expand, and we're trying to figure out how to do that, are minor drug offenses or... Uh, they can't get bail or, you know, so there's a lot of people in our jails that maybe don't need to be there. Is that something that you're 
focused on? Absolutely. Um, You know, when we're talking about people who are in jails pre-trial, what we really should be looking at is who presents an actual safety threat to the community. And if they don't present a safety threat to the community, there is no reason someone should be sitting in jail because they can't afford bail. So I think looking at that system and trying to empty out our jails from the people who don't need to be there really benefits us all. Um, and, you know, it's it's harder to get good statistics on jail because it's it's a less um, permanent population. But we know that versus prison versus prison. Right. right. But when we're incarcerating people, the average cost per day in South Dakota, at least for a prison inmate, is fifty three dollars a day. Mm. That's the average. When we're talking about women, it costs eighty two dollars a day to incarcerate a woman in prison in South Dakota. That's thirty thousand dollars per year. And when you look at the breakdown of of our prison population and what people are there for, we know that especially among women, about 65% are there for drug crimes. So if we're going to be in Sioux Falls arresting low-level people and putting them into the system, we are going to be paying for it. And I think that that's something we really need to reckon with. We're going to come right back and talk more with Libby Screen with the she's the policy director for the ACLU of South Dakota and uh, We're having a very good discussion. So you're going to want to stay here. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 445 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Libby Screen. She is the policy director for the ACLU of South Dakota. Do you still use the American Civil Liberties Union title? Or has that just been, like so many organizations, used to be like, the Association of Retired People, or what, ARP, right? we, Yeah, we still use it, but it's just kind of a mouthful, so we shorten it. <laughs> okay, so it's still officially your... Yes, absolutely. It's still all about civil liberties. Yes. Um, we were talking about uh, drug enforcement and, and drug courts and, and everything else that goes into it. Y- you know what people think and what they say when they hear this conversation, and that is you're just being soft on crime. And ultimately, yes, somebody may have an addiction, but they also end up committing other real crimes, whether that's because of their addiction or not, is not my problem. They should go to jail. If you break the law, you go to jail. That's the law. Go to jail. So how does that not jibe with your position, uh, uh, Libby Screen of the ACLU of South Dakota? I don't think um, that what we are proposing is any sort of softening on crime. We think it's getting smarter on crime. We want to see policies enacted that do make communities safer, that do hold people accountable, but that also recognize that the way we have been doing things over the past 40 years has not worked. And there's no reason that we should keep doing the same thing over and over. You know, there are programs here in South Dakota, whether they're talking about drug courts or programs that are being piloted in other parts of the country that are showing actual concrete results, right? Actual um, um, people who are going into systems and their addiction is being treated. And once their addiction is manageable and under, under control, then we're not seeing other crimes. We're not seeing recidivism. And I think that's really our goal is to make communities safer by ending crime, not because we're locking up someone and getting them out of our face, but because we are treating the actual person and recognizing their value while also making our communities better. Uh, you're not a, a drug counselor. You're not a, 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 you know, a, a substance expert. So I'm going to couch this next thing in that. And 
what I hear sometimes from treatment people, and it's been a little while since I've talked to somebody, so I'll admit that, but that meth itself, meth addiction is one of the most difficult addictions to treat. In fact, often and in a practical matter, it takes years. So how are we as a state and a community going to attack the prevent the the treatment side of that uh with our limited resources we we don't have any money libby what are we going to do about that well i think that um first and foremost when we get uh policies in place that reduce our prison population that's a big cost savings there right there are ways that we can cut costs and take the money that we have allocated already to the criminal justice system but put that into treatment instead um also i think it was was it last week that south dakota actually approved the use uh, for people who are already on medicaid they are now uh, able to get substance abuse treatment. That's a small move that could pay huge dividends in terms of getting people treatment and not increasing our overall bottom line or our costs. You know, there are ways we can figure this out, but I do admit clearly that it's a very complex situation and it, the solutions are not necessarily going to come quickly, but once we get them and once we start down this path, we're going to see benefits. Libby Screen, she is the policy director for the ACLU of South Dakota, and we're talking about drug treatment and enforcement. We haven't talked much about prevention. Um, what what does, I mean, just say no uh, or, you know, um, various programs that are out there. What does real prevention, uh, drug use prevention programs look like? I mean, is it just with second graders in the schools? And what are we talking about? I think um, prevention is probably the trickiest piece and the hardest piece. And I think we have to think outside of just typical, uh, you know, D.A.R.E. programs. I think I was probably the only kid that D.A.R.E. actually worked for in my entire (laughs) elementary school. Um, So proud D.A.R.E. graduate here. But, um, you know, looking at medical treatment and having regular checkups and having healthcare professionals taking part in the prevention piece. So I think it requires on that front more of a societal shift and a recognition that drug prevention is all of our problem and not just expecting, you know, a one half hour with a police officer in your second grade classroom uh, is going to solve that. And that also, if it's state run, when I say state, I mean the big state, not Mm -hmm. the, the not the state of South Dakota, but the government in, in general, it, again, costs money. But it is a better investment, probably, than jail. Yes, absolutely. Ultimately, keeping people out of jail is something the American Civil Liberties Union supports when it's right and justified. Yes, right? absolutely. Do you know what the current prison population is? The male prison population, because I saw that number the other day and I said to myself, I got to remember that. And then, of course, I didn't. So what is it? Yes. So the statistics I have, I think they've released another month, but are from March 2018 are the ones that I have in front of me. Our entire prison population, I think, is 3,961 people. And that's just state prison. So it's not including jails. We don't really have good numbers on jails. Right. Um, But it's men and women. Yep, that's that's yep. men and women. What's interesting is that um, we're seeing an increase in women in prison, which I think is one of the reasons we're hope, you know going to have to be looking at building another women's prison. Right. And part of that is being driven by drug crimes and drug arrests because we are locking up more women for drugs. And that's that was really my pushing. impression. And I, I my recollection was that the percentage of women in 
our state prison for drugs was higher than men, certainly. Yeah, significantly higher. Um, as of April 2018, about 65% of our women's prison population was in for drugs, um, contrasted to only 27% of our male population. Not that the folks who weren't in prison for drugs as men didn't weren't addicted in some way. They just ended up getting convicted on some, something else. Right. It, I don't mean to stereotype here, but oftentimes if you have multiple people involved in a crime— the woman isn't the person who gets charged with the main crime because she's not the one who did it, but she was involved in the sweep and she ends up in jail for drug crimes. Mm -hmm. Correct? Um, yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah. Um, you, I want to get this in before before I let you go, and that is uh, if people want to learn more about the ACLU, you're going to be down at Pride Festival this weekend. Yes, um, it is Pride Week here in Sioux Falls. The Pride Festival is this Saturday at Terrace Park. I think things kick off at noon, and we will be there uh, handing out mini constitutions and chatting with people about civil rights and civil liberties. With uh, under an umbrella with plenty of sunscreen. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> why Why does the ACLU have an interest in uh, the Pride Festival? What's the connection there? I think it's twofold. Um, one, we care a lot about the LGBT community and we recognize their value, you know, as part of, of South Dakota. And two, a lot of our work is, is really important in terms of um, making sure people know their rights and talking to them about what their rights are under the law and how to assert those rights when they have to. Plus, our communications associate is the president of Sioux Falls Pride. So well, there you go. Full disclosure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Libby Screen, she's the policy director for the ACLU. And we love having Libby on the show because it's always a great conversation. Libby, thank you very much. Thank you. Coming up, we'll finish up the show here in just a minute. And uh, so stay close. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 457 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Hey, everybody. You know what's a great time of the year for? This is going to be a fantastic week. Baseball, you got it. Canaries are in town. They're playing, uh, they played last night, they played tonight, tomorrow night, and Thursday, I'm sorry, it's tonight, tomorrow afternoon, and Thursday night. 7.05, Tuesday and Thursday, 12.05 on Wednesday, a day game at the Birdcage. They're taking on the hated Chicago Dogs. Can't stand those guys. Ugh. And also, Friday's in the Plaza. Don't forget about that. Uh, you know, so this is a great time, great week. Coming into the best stretch of the year here. Coming up on the show tomorrow, you're going to want to tune in. We got City Councilor Marshall Selberg. He, of course, is the sponsor of the ordinance that would move a public comment to the backside of those meetings. They're having the first reading on that tonight. There's going to be a lot of people there. You might want to watch that on Channel 16 tonight at seven if you're hanging out at home looking for something to do, or just going on to City Hall or to Town Hall. Blogger Pat Powers of DakotaWarCollege.com and Scott Hudson is our weird friend of the day. It's going to be a good one. Stay close. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO.